The following audio is from The Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit grove.church. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us this Sunday. My name's Evan. I'm the, uh, the video producer here at the church, and I also had the pleasure of being able to go with, with this year's Panama team um, and really get to experience all of that. And if you don't know what that is, it was a trip that we took back in November, and we're celebrating it here today. Um, but really, we go down into the country of Panama, and we work with a group <coughs> called the Latin American Child Care, or LACC. And, and they, what they do is they build these schools in uh, areas that really need them, and it gives the opportunity for the kids in those areas to receive education that they would never be able to otherwise receive. And so because um, a lot of those areas are so impoverished, like children have to have scholarships in order to go, and, and one of the big things is the schools oftentimes can't actually afford to build onto them or build um, second floors and stuff like that. And so what we do here at the church is through our, like, our Panama auction, we raise funds and we buy materials that we need in order to go down there. And then we take teams and we spend uh, 10 days laying blocks, pouring bond beans, doing other things like that, welding, because Cody's a monster, uh, doing all those different things, and, and really being able to bring the gift of, of education and the gift of Christ to these people. And then what we have today uh, is everyone who's on the team, the 20-something 20 people, uh, and we just really, we, what we wanted to do is just be able to ask them questions so it's not just hearing from uh, the pastors, but really being able to understand uh, from the perspective of people who went on the trip uh, what that means to them, and so... So what we're going to do is we're going to start with uh, Mr. Anderson, Paul, and uh, why don't you give us real quick, it's been the third time in a row that we've gone uh, year after year, give us a little bit of an overview of the trip, kind of what it looks like start to finish as brief as possible, I guess. <clears throat> okay, this is my perspective, right? Everybody has their own perspective. Uh, okay, somebody else. Um, yeah. what were you? Just kidding, I'm just joking. No, That's a really, very general... <laughs> The people want to know. Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of the overview of the trip, it's, it's, it's uh, exciting for me to go down uh, and uh, to be able to contribute to these kids, uh, these communities down there. And, uh, you know, I look at it uh, from my perspective as an investment. And this is a trip that has several different returns on the investment. And you think it's a sizable, you know, uh, a lump to go down and to, to gather up for individuals, but, uh, you know, just the uh, perspective of, you know, how we contribute to them individually and, and as a community, <clears throat> and then the investment that you're making in yourself is equally as large as the investment you make to the community and to the kids down there, and what it does to you to go and come back, and you just come back a different person, and to me, there's a lot of bang for your buck to go down and uh, it, it returns on many different levels and until you've done it you just kinda go okay you know that looks good and that looks fun and, and whatever but you don't realize what you're getting when you go and so for me uh, that's why I go down every year it is a sacrifice uh, on different levels uh, for different people but um, well worth the sacrifice if you can just you know make that decision to go you know what I'm tired of procrastinating on that I'm, I'm gonna do this and so for me, it's like it's a given every year uh, I want to go. And so, uh, and every trip is different. Every year is different. Every location is different. You know, different kids, different team members. This is a great team uh, that went down this year. And so the relationships that we uh, create 
they last forever. And uh, uh, we had a big dinner last night at our house with all these guys, and and uh, it was a fabulous time. And and relationships that were that were created on the trip, they just last forever. And so, well worth the investment. I don't know. Is that what you want? <laughs> is that what I want? <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I paid you to say, but whatever. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, Thank great you. job. So, uh, Greg and Emily Heinrichs are one of the, the great couples that we had come, married couples that we had come on the trip. And uh, I know from talking to you guys, this was actually, Emily's going apparently, cool. Uh, I know from talking to you guys, this was actually your first ever missions trip. So I was just wondering from, from your perspective, uh, what did God show you through uh, being able to do this, do this trip? Uh, well, Emily and I, this, it's our first out of the United States mission trips. We were actively involved in other uh, uh, entities here in the Snohomish County. Um, but when we talk about like what, are, what is our code and we live for the world, it was of value for us to be able to, to take our growth in Christ and go outside of our boundaries to give up something, to sacrifice both of our time and our resources. Um, and, and like Paul had said, until you physically go, you know, it, we started off last year at the kickoff meeting and we watched this, you know, when, when we went last year, or when the, the team before us went last year. And both of us came out of the service saying, you know, there's just something calling on our hearts. Uh, we have a passion for serving, but let's take it outside of our, 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 our boundaries. So um, as we continue our growth in Christ and our growth as a as a married couple, this was just a phenomenal opportunity and experience. Good. That's awesome. Um, you know, <clears throat> Rick Ruckty, you're, you're a bit of a veteran on, on missions trips. You've done a lot of missions work. Um, but I guess from your perspective, kind of year after year having done it and years in the past having done it, um, it can maybe just become old hat. But even similar to what, what Greg was asked too, um, how do you feel like God kind of reveals things to you or shows things to you as you take a step like this, go out of country, work on projects like this out in the weather and all? What is your perspective? Well, I have taken several trips in the past, um, but, but honestly, for me, uh, it was this group. When I first uh, started coming to the meetings, <clears throat> I didn't know anybody. I only knew Paul and Pastor Nick. It's the only two individuals I knew. Knew nobody's name, didn't know who was married to whom, and um, didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> and... and uh, Appreciate the honesty, Rick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. And so, so, so now that now that the trip has uh, been completed and and uh, we're back here, I I have over twenty phenomenal friends. I there there's a bond here yeah. that uh, unfortunately you folks ha possibly have never experienced yet, because uh, you may have attended this church for some time or you may have attended a church in the past for years. And unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, we will pass each other in the foyer for years, and we will never have a friend like I have friends now, and I only spent 10 days with them. Mm. So this is a tremendous, yeah. tremendous avenue of Christian bonding and Christian growth yeah. that as a collective church, we just unfortunately don't we just can't experience it because of life. But, but when you remove yourself from our arena and go to another country and you serve, and it's great, 
but but we as team members we we get so much we get so much out of it that it's just amazing yeah that's true so ashley uh being your boyfriend i understand whoa whoa that, hey uh, hey hey what? uh i understand that you <clears throat> i understand that you have uh, really a, a passion for kids and you work with the upstairs kids a lot and, and for those of you who don't know um we, we do get to interact with the kids while we're building the school and there's there's an amazing day where we get to go throughout and we give candy to all the different classrooms and then they have like something they prepared for us so they memorize the Bible verse or they'll um, do like different songs or stuff like that. So for, uh, for you, from your perspective, what was it like to go through and be able to interact with the kids and, and really see how this is impacting them? Um, so the kids were definitely, apart from like building tons of relationships here, like that was my favorite part because the kids were so genuine and there's, it was so different from like, the United States kids, I guess. I don't know how you would say it. But, like, going there, I didn't expect on the trip. I thought it was a construction trip. I didn't really think that there was going to be much time to interact with the kids or get to know them. And um, going into it, in, like, the first few days, I was like, construction, construction, construction. And then eventually it turned into, like, oh, I saw Eli hanging out with the kids. Maybe I'll go try to talk to them. And he translated a bunch. So thanks, Eli. But um, he, like, or introduced me to the kids. And then, like, the next day I'd come back, and they'd be like, Ashley, come down. I'm like, okay, and so I'd stop working, come down, and um, I would try to communicate with them, and it's not really, I don't have good Spanish, but I can say a few words, and so I would try doing that, and then, um, like, as the days passed, this group of girls, they would always, like, during their lunchtime or their free time, they'd always, like, try to get me to come down and hang out with them, and I would try having conversations that usually was, like, what's your favorite color, like, what class are you taking, like, it wasn't very in-depth or anything, but um, the fact that, like, every single day, they just wanted to hang out with me, they wanted to uh, try to communicate. They wanted to just get to know and thank me for like everything that all of us were doing, and it it was just incredible. And like Evan was saying, like we went to the classrooms and uh, they prepared songs, they prepared like Bible verses, they memorized, they sang like beautiful songs in Spanish, and like all of us were just like crying, and it was it was amazing. And the kids, they're just so so genuine, so real. Uh, you can tell they really love Jesus. They really are thankful for what we do down there, and um, it was just a great great experience. Yeah. That's good. Um, Steve McKinley, <clears throat> one of the things that, that we always have, and every one of us does, is we go into something with certain expectations, and then there's kind of how it actually goes. And I would love to hear from you. Was there anything in particular going on this trip that, that you felt like maybe surprised you? Anything that, you know, challenged you and just your perspective in particular? When I first, I, I did not know anything about the, the work down there or anything. I just, I heard it was hard work and that. And because of my age and that, I thought, okay, can I do this and that? And then find and you're, out. And you're 46, 47? <laughs> yeah, once upon a time. <laughs> so um, anyway, there was two other guys that were older than me, and I thought, oh, I'm in pretty good shape in that. So I had my doubts, you know, but the, and the first day I got there, on the job, I pulled up, and I, I'm up on the second deck there, and all of a sudden, I started getting dizzy, and I felt a pain in my heart, and I go, really, Lord, this ain't going to happen, is it? <laughs> and so, uh, at 10 minutes later, I was fine. I had a, a, just a great experience there, and just, just, it's so humbling watching these kids get a drink of water during recess out of a hose where you spigot for a hose they reach down and get a drink that's how you know it, it is so humbling they have nothing down there it's just a, 
just I was so glad that I went and served. It's just a, an awesome experience, and and uh, getting to know these people was uh, it was a, a great time. Yeah, you did a great job. So even for your age, <coughs> anyway. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you did awesome. I think um, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of serious <coughs> moments that we had throughout the trip. Um, being able to to interact with the kids, even though fun really, uh, like everyone's been saying, it really uh, causes you to think about their situation. Even the work, the work is hard, the days are long, but there was, there was a lot of fun times too. And I remember um, Eli, to, to talk to you for a little bit and to steal a little bit of your story, um, Eli actually spent a year of his childhood growing up in Mexico. And so he fluently speaks Spanish and he was the, the only person who came on the trip who, who also fluently spoke Spanish. And so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about like what, what that meant for what you had to do for us. <laughs> Yeah, it was, um, I felt needed. It was cool. <laughs> Very cool. Um, but, no, yeah, like he said, I spent a year in Spanish, uh, or Mexico, not in Spanish. <laughs> I spent a year in Mexico. Uh, my family speaks fluent Spanish, so, but being in the States, I don't really get to practice it much because my parents will talk to me in Spanish and yell at me in Spanish, and I'll be like, got it, Mom, cool, thanks. And then I'll just continue on with my day. But, um, no, it was cool because... Every so after every workday, you kind of have like a free time to go get dinner or whatever, you know. And next to our hotel, we had McDonald's, KFC, Domino's, a grocery store, and something else. So every day we would try something quote unquote new. Go like from Mickey D's to KFC to Mickey D's to KFC. So you eat super healthy on this trip, if you can't tell. Um, you get super fit, but <laughs> especially at his age. Um, <laughs> No, but um, it was cool because uh, everyone would always fight to go with me to dinner. So I didn't have to go to dinner alone. It'd be like, hey, come with me. Hey, come with me. And then eventually it got to the point where people wanted me so much, Evan actually paid for me to go with him. So <laughs> basically he's like, if you go with me, so I got your you, dinner. You made money on this trip? I, it was an investment. That doesn't, so seem, <laughs> that doesn't seem right to you. <laughs> so yeah, just a little bit of money. <laughs> but <laughs> I actually came back richer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Richer in the spirit, got you. <laughs> but no, it was awesome because I, actually what would happen is we'd go to Mickey D's, there'd be a group of six or seven of us, and then you can tell on the cashier's face, she's like, oh no, what's about to happen? So basically, they would push me to the front, I'd have to stand at the front of the line and be like, all right, this is Evan, Evan, what do you want? He'll tell me, oh, I want chicken nuggets. I'm like, get it, chicken nuggets. And then, okay, cool, pay, pay the money, move on to the next one. Then it'd be like Greg wait, and wait, Emily. Can we just ask, how do you say chicken nuggets in Spanish? Chicken nuggets? So he's up there doing nothing but making money off of you. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just, just clarifying. No, okay, no, but it was cool because, like, for KFC, it was different. You actually had, the, at Mickey D's, there was numbers, so you can, you know, point the number and be like, cuatro. Okay, good, you want the number four. <laughs> but at KFC, there was no numbers, so it was always like, hey, I want, you know, the chicken sandwich with this and this and this, and then I have to translate that. Anyways, it was awesome. It was a great experience. It was a lot of fun because I've never had to translate that many food orders in that short amount of time <laughs> so <laughs> it was pretty cool but it was it was a lot of fun and kind of getting to know you don't really know a person until you know what they eat and <laughs> seven days of ordering for people okay, really get you close um, anyway Eli's not allowed to talk anymore um, 
I do want to say on a serious note, Eli, you know, you, because you were one of the few members that spoke Spanish, of course, Randy and Lynn, and I'll mention them here in a minute, um, but you had such a great attitude because you were being pulled in all directions, and it wasn't just going out to eat and trying to order food. Honestly, all throughout the day, whether it's kids coming up to us and wanting to talk or some of the guys we're working with on site that don't speak English, you helping us with that, you did a really great job, and there was a lot of funny moments, and, and you make light of different stuff, and that's great, but honestly, man, you did such a great job, and you had such a great attitude about it um, that I think we all appreciated everything you provided. So it was awesome. Um, I want to take a moment, and, and Susan, um, you've been on this trip for two years now, and the first year, one of the, one of the roles that we have that, that isn't always a fun role is the person who uh, tries to get people to drink water. And um, the first year, that, that was kind of what you had to do, and this year, you, you kind of shifted roles, which, which was good, but you jumped right up and, and got involved in creating bond beams. And some of you guys go, well, what is that? Some of you guys know what it is, but why don't you talk a little bit about jumping in and doing something entirely different this year? Um, so, you know, last year, or the year before, um, I was a water girl. I gave, made sure everybody had water. This year, I did not want to do that. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, but this year, I, or the time before, I started learning how to do bond beams um, and pouring the concrete and making sure it was all level and um, all that kind of stuff. So this year, I knew more of what was going on, so I kind of took over that role um, with Paul and um, Chris and I think Mark and a couple other guys, and we just, you know, I, that's primarily what I was doing this yeah. year, um, and, you know, it was amazing to me that um, the time before I was learning this year, I was actually training, mm -hmm. so it's, and, and I'm a human resource manager, so I sit in front of a, a computer all day. I know nothing about construction, mm -hmm. and here I am pouring bomb beams and building bomb beams. So, and and I I love that you're highlighting that because to me that's a big deal. There's individuals out here that some of you guys go, I, I don't. I don't know what a bond beam is or the whole brick and mortar thing. I'm not sure how to do any of that. And I would love to just for a moment transition to Randy and Lynn because um, this, is, this is Randy right here and Lynn, and, and they're, they're married. So, Rick, just so you know, they're married. But um, <clears throat> anyway, but, but Randy and Lynn have, have really been our, our team hosts in Panama every year now, so for three years in a row. And um, so they're, they're on site, and they're working with the construction materials and the people there to coordinate everything. But one of the things that from the very beginning, I remember feeling for some of us, especially that have been now three years, a bit of anxiety on year one going, I'm not sure what we're doing or what we're getting into and stuff. But um, you guys started out going on trips like this just as, as you know, helpers or whatever. And now you lead teams down there. In fact, you spent a few years in Panama. Um, but what would you say to the person out there who says, okay, construction trip, I'm out. I'll do something else some other day because I could never do that. What would you say to that individual? God can use anybody for anything. Um, you know, you don't have to have any construction skills because there's people on the team that do. And they'll train you, they'll teach you, and you have an opportunity to learn something new. And just like Susan said, she started out doing the water because that was something that was administrative. We needed it to make sure. But over the course of that year, she learned bomb beams. The next year, now she's doing bomb beams. She'll probably lead a crew the next time she goes because she knows how to do it. <laughs> so, so, so Susan, thank you for volunteering for yeah. that. We appreciate it. Kind of signed you up for that one already. Yeah. But really, God wants us to get involved in missions in any way we can, whether yeah. it's giving through the auction, whether it's sponsoring a child to go to the school. Yeah. And going on a trip like this, like Rick said, changes your life. You yeah. build relationships with people you probably will never meet in this church. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened with us on our first trips that we went on. And we learned, and over time, God 
encouraged us that we could do more. And so we started going full time and live in Panama and host teams. And that's yeah. really where our heart is. But I encourage you, don't let an excuse stop you from getting involved, no matter what your age, even for Steve. Being worried about that, he was able to come and he did a great job. And the other yeah. Steve as well, that's mm -hmm. down at the end, you know, uh, without him, we wouldn't have bond beams because he twists all the wire that we need to put those together. He knows exactly what to do and he starts on day one and he never stops working. So yeah. if you can garden, if you can do some work around your house, God can use you in the mission field. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, why don't we get the mic down to Steve for, for a minute here? And uh, this is actually your third trip in a row. Um, and just, I guess, you're, from your perspective, when you look at kind of year after year, talk a little bit about your experience this year. Well, that first year, we, I, I traveled a lot, and I knew it was going to be hot and humid, but I don't think the rest of the people really did. Mm -hmm. And kind of a little humor here, we had a young man who had just joined the church. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's found himself. <clears throat> He's been on mission trips before. He's going down with a guitar. I thought, one of us has the wrong idea here, because there's, no, there's no kumbaya on campfire. That wasn't it at all. <laughs> but at, but Is there the anybody time, else you want to throw under the bus so we can just, so, if we... <laughs> oh, I just, I found it. Anyway, it was a great experience. What, what's been fun to see is, is the growth in the team each year. The yeah. first year, we were all neophytes. We had Randy, uh, Dictator Randy, in fact. And uh, <laughs> the next year, it was a little different group, and a lot, enough of us knew what was going on that it went a lot better. And Randy was medicated, so that helped, too. <laughs> I'm, Can we go I'm, and shut that I'm, mic off? <clears throat> let's let's pray. He, let's just pray. Boy, he gave me the mic. Randy and Randy and Lynn have dedicated their life to this thing, and it's it's so neat that we can go down and help them yeah. perpetuate the, the thing. Yeah. Uh, the thing about finishing these rooms is that means those kids can stay there for two more years, right. and eventually it'll be the full twelve years. Yeah. And these parents, like they're saying, they have nothing. I mean, they work for like twenty five dollars a day. They're in the outskirts of Panama City or way in the wilds of Panama. Yeah but they're all neat people. They dress clean every day. The kids come to school in uniforms. Mm -hmm. It's kind of amazing to watch it. I, kids are the same everywhere. They're all happy, but these parents are really, really hardworking people trying to do the best for their kids, and we get to help them do that. Yeah, that's so. great. And so, the, one more comment. <laughs> we, we go down there, and, and they represented your church well, it was all thumbs up. We also are, are representing the United States. Mm -hmm. they, I don't know what other people perceive us as, but they should perceive these people, and, and that's their impression now of the United States. It's just hardworking, funny, fun-loving, but hardworking people trying to do something, and that's what I hope we... Yeah. transpired. Yeah, you're right. We represent. Thanks. It's good. Thank you. Um, you know, we, we have a lot of fun, too. As you can see, you know, we joke around and stuff, and it, it's a good time. And like what Rick said, it's really important. The relationships you build really are incredible. It's fun to have that camaraderie with everybody. And, and um, But, you know, uh, one day we were, we, were we, some, we take tours different places in the evenings, or, or we have a couple of days that are kind of clear from work so we can just kind of relax and recoup and stuff. But one of the days um, on the way home, we decided to head. <coughs> Everybody's getting nervous. I know. I see you shifting in your seats. 
So one day we're headed to a site that's an old church, what, 1700s or something like that, and so we're going to go check it out, and as we're heading through this little village area, um, of course there's dogs randomly in different places, and at, at one point, um, a couple of individuals on our team glance out, and out of the corner of their eye, they see um, a, a Siamese dog. They, they see uh, like this two-headed dog, and they're like, oh my word, it's like it's a Siamese, I've never seen that before, and, and, and um, I guess part of it is that they're young, um, but they didn't believe that it wasn't a Siamese dog, and I won't explain what I mean, but um, so, so Eli, all of a sudden, as everybody gets off the bus, rushes to the bus driver and goes, did I just see a Siamese dog? And it was, it was two dogs, and, and they were, there's something else going on that I won't explain. <laughs> but Eli tried his hardest to get to the driver to say, absolutely, it was a Siamese dog, and it wasn't. So I'm going to leave that, but that is officially the funniest moment on any trip we've been on so far. So, and you can, if you don't know what I'm saying... Google it later. I, I don't even know what to say. I have nothing. Actually, don't do that because that's a horrible idea. But um, anyways, um, I want to say thank you to everybody that went on the trip. And you guys, honestly, every one of you worked so hard and, and did such a great job. Not only, like Steve said, representing as far as our country, but representing Christ and also providing for, for a lot of kids that wouldn't be able to receive what is really for us a basic education, reading, writing, arithmetic, and it's in a Christ-centered environment. So why don't you give these guys a hand as they make their way off the stage. We appreciate so much your work. The sacrifice of serving is grace on display. We're in a series called Grace Next Door, and we're talking about what it means to extend grace to our neighbor. And the Bible would define our neighbor as not necessarily the person with the address right next door to us in the condos or in the neighborhood or whatever. Sure, that's your neighbor, but the Bible would define your neighbor as really anybody that you have um, contact with almost on any level. And so whether it's you um, working at, you know, wherever you work, or, or, or it's you navigating a grocery store, it's you going somewhere around the world like Panama and, and, and serving others, the sacrifice of serving is grace on display. Now, I say it that way because you could say, well, couldn't you just say serving is grace on display? But I want you to hear this, okay? Um, I, I say sacrifice because sacrifice to me means carving out something of our own in order to help somebody else. So the sacrifice of carving out our own time or the sacrifice of carving out our own resources or the sacrifice of carving out our own mental energy or whatever it might be, that's a sacrifice. The sacrifice of serving is grace on display. And, and we as a church talk a lot about our purpose and we say our purpose as a church is love God, connect with each other, serve all. We use language like we will lead the way with irrational generosity. We believe it's more, more blessed to give than to receive. We we talk about how you know we are the church and we're not here to gather and, and sort of play club here but we are the church and we exist for the world with the purpose of gathering biblically in order to be encouraged and sharpened and challenged that we can go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that doesn't understand who Christ is why Jesus matters so much to us and we believe salvation is a big deal that the cross means a lot but there was a challenge in the gospels I want to just for a moment bring up and I'm just, just going to take a few minutes and do this there was a challenge in the Gospels, and it was this. Jesus began to talk about a future kingdom, and the disciples didn't understand it. But at certain points where they began to try to grab on to whatever it is that Jesus is talking about, James and John get this novel idea. Hey, if Jesus is going to have a kingdom, we should make sure we get the best seats. We should make sure that we get to be on his right and his left. Let's go talk to him about it. And so in, in Mark chapter 10, they come to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, someday we're here in this kingdom. Can we be at your right and left? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. 
And he says, could you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And could you suffer the way I'm going to? They say, sure. And Jesus says, you're going to suffer. And they do prophetically. So that's another message for another day. But he says, you do. But, but those are not for me to give out. Well, later on, the disciples, it says the other 10 disciples become indignant. They're ticked off. Like, I don't know if it's because they're like, why didn't we ask first or whatever? But, but the whole deal is they're misunderstanding Jesus' kingdom. They're misunderstanding what it means to be part of Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus takes this as a teaching opportunity. And he, he says, it says, Jesus called them together in Mark 10, 42, and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And I want everybody to say that. Not so with you. Jesus says the, the, the rulers in, in, in other kingdoms lord over. So here's the rulers and here's all of their servants below them. And Jesus says, that's not the way that my kingdom operates. In fact, he says, instead, verse 43, whoever wants to become great among you must what? Be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even, and Jesus says this referring to himself, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When you and I think about Jesus, oftentimes we think of the cross, we think of his death, we think of the sacrifice for our sins, and that's huge and that's super important. But, but don't forget, Jesus is also the perfect human example of how you and I are called to live our lives. So Jesus says, listen, this isn't about you and I climbing a ladder and becoming something amazing. This is about you and I understanding that we're called to serve, that we're called to give our own energy, our own resources, our own selves to help and encourage others. The sacrifice of serving is grace on display. As I was preparing this message I, I always try to do t- a bunch of homework and, and gather resources and put all the pieces together. But as I did that, I began to read stories all over about serving. Oh, uh, literally, I mean, I can't even count how many stories I read. And, and of course, if you're on Facebook, it's always super encouraging. There's always great stories on there that build us up and stuff, never anything negative. Um, <clears throat> one of the people that, that, that I have on Facebook as a friend is, is a gal named Krista Moorhead. And, and, and some of you know her, some of you don't, but she, she's always looking for opportunities to serve, and she's got a bunch of kids, and she's modeling for them something amazing, and, and, and I was looking, during Christmas season in particular, she decided to take on this project called Random Acts of Kindness. Now, some of you guys have heard this or have done this too, and it's awesome, and then I noticed just last week, she posted a brand new one. I'm not going to read the whole thing just because of time, but she had, she had um, posted this. <clears throat> this was last week. Um, MLK Day starts another Random Act of Kindness season for our family. From January 16th to March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, a season that includes days focused on social justice, on love, and luck, how easy it is to use those for the kingdom of God. 61 days to complete 30 random acts of kindness. I think it's this time of year, it's easy to get caught up in things that aren't going our way, bad weather, mundane schedules. She goes on, but she literally begins to list all of these things about ways she can serve. Everything else that I read along with this, here's what I noticed, that people were looking for opportunities to serve. And I say that because you go, well, big deal. But, but here's the thing. You and I can get so caught up in our schedules, in our agendas, in our own busyness that we miss opportunities all the time to serve others. And so some of the examples that she began to put down, make bird seed shapes and take them to the retirement home so they can hang them outside their windows. 
Give a hot drink to someone cold. Give an umbrella to someone wet. Dinner to a stressed, busy, new baby death in the family. So somebody in one of those categories. Coordinated clothing exchange. Let someone go ahead of you in line. Serve dinner at a shelter. Collect sweaters for the PBS sweater drive. Deliver pie to office staff. Um, I love this one. Take a large pot of spaghetti to the fire station now that they know we're not trying to poison them. Coordinate a blessing bag assembly party. Um, Donate needed sports gear and craft supplies to a local boys and girls club. And everyone, I began to read other stories. One gal who took it upon herself to go to a flower shop and buy a bunch of small bouquets and walk the streets handing flower bouquets to people that looked like they could use a smile. Another individual that, that took upon themselves to, to go out and, and buy a bunch of food and walk around giving it to people that look like they could use a meal. My point is this, when it comes to serving, when it comes to the sacrifice of serving, it, it, it takes you and me looking for opportunity, otherwise we miss the window. We can become so busy, and it's not that we don't serve, but sometimes there are so many opportunities that we pass up because we're not looking for ways to serve. We have our schedule, we have our agenda, we have our task list, we have all that needs to get done, and we miss the opportunities entirely. So I just want to simply bring this challenge. If you and I, and many of us would be in this category, if you and I would say that we're followers of Christ, there are opportunities all over the place for us to serve. The question is, are we looking for opportunities or are we possibly making excuses for why we can't serve? Because we want to be the kind of people that shine the light of Jesus, not just in the things that we say, but in the ways that we act towards those that would be defined as our neighbor, which is practically everybody. Now, I want to take a moment and shift gears, and I'm going to pray here in just a second because I'm I'm done. Um, But on the communication card today, and I had one among other pieces of paper up here. Can you grab me one? On the communication card today, you saw these individuals that came up and talked about Panama and and some of the cool things that happened and the sacrifice that they gave, but um, we're always into serving, and you hear about opportunities all the time. In fact, for um, Valentine's Day, we're going to talk about an opportunity where we're going to help those that are less fortunate. Um, We do Mother's Day. We do iHeart. We do all kinds of stuff, but but one of those ways is, is missions, and I'm a believer that anybody that can should go on at least one missions trip. You should. And, and yes, it means carving out your own agenda. Yes, it means changing your schedule coming up. Yes, it means giving of your resources to make it happen with airfare and all that stuff. But, but it's amazing the return that you see when you sacrifice and give like that. And so I want to bring this challenge. On the back of the communication card today, there's a couple of boxes. There's always boxes you can check. One of those boxes says this, and it, it's similar to what we had said last week. I want to sacrifice what's mine to help others. But another one says this, I would like to attend the informational meeting to find out about the next trips available, okay? Not this year in 2017 because of the calendar, but in 2018, instead of doing one trip, we're going to do three trips. And I want to challenge every one of you that hears me right now, I really do, to consider attending an informational meeting next Sunday after our fourth service, we're just, it's going to be like a 30-minute meeting where I'm going to present to you the details, the dates, everything that you need to know about looking to go on this trip and, and something to pray about. <clears throat> but there's a box right there that I would challenge you to check. And the, the, the point for me is this. It gives us some lead time. That's 17 months away. It gives us some lead time for you to carve out your schedule or you go, I need to save some money. Guess what? 17 months is a good amount of time to save that amount of money. And we'll talk about the trip costs and the meeting and everything like that. But I want to challenge you to mark that box. It's not a commitment, 
But it's going, you know, I want to look in to taking a trip. Some of you have never done missions before, and I would tell you this, and I've been on tons of trips. There's something about getting outside of your comfort zone. There's something about seeing other cultures. There's something about being in, in nations, to be honest with you, that aren't as fortunate as we are, that really helps you see things the way that you ought to. And so I want to bring that challenge, just to mark that box. You go, I don't have construction experience, no excuses. You go, I don't, I don't have that money. You know what? There's individuals that sign up for the trip that in the beginning, they don't have the money either. And, and it takes time and, and, and saving up and, and whatever it does monthly. But it's cool to see how God can provide when you go, you know what, God, I'm open to taking a step. I'm open to going on a trip. There's going to be a, a construction trip to Panama like we've done. There's going to be a medical trip to Panama because I've had a bunch of different people in the medical uh, kind of profession ask about those kind of trips. We're going to have a medical trip also to Panama and we're going to have a trip to the Dominican Republic that will also be construction. And those will be probably in that window of June, July 2017 or 2018, excuse me. So come to the informational meeting and you can get more info. I need to wrap it up. We're going to have the host team make their way forward. If you haven't finished filling this out yet, take a moment and do that. And if you're interested in just looking into some information and just attending a meeting to find out more, it's going to be next Sunday for 30 minutes in the afternoon. Um, so it'll be, you know, 1.15, 1.30 for about a half an hour just to find out more details. We'll have some sheets printed out for you with, with all that on it. I'm going to pray and then we're going to collect the communication card and we'll collect our giving like we typically do. So I'll pray real quick and then we'll do that. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for all that you do, that, that we're not just a church that wants to gather here and sort of play church. We want to serve. We want to be grace on display. We want to be grace next door for our coworkers, for our neighbors, for our families, for those we interact with within the community over and over at parks or grocery stores or gas stations or whatever it is, that we can shine your light and your love across the street. But God, we can also do it around the world, not only through our missionaries that we constantly support. God bless them and thank you for them. But God, through challenging us, to be a part of going, be a part of sacrificing, be a part of giving up our own agenda and some of our resources to make this happen for people that could never give back to us. And that's great because that's part of the secret of the joy of serving is it's awesome when it's people that can't even give back. So we pray you'd guide us and help us all take some steps, Father. Thank you for the giving today. Bless every gift and giver in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.